Hello, my name is Jacob Gray, and I am the pastor at 10 Mile Baptist Church. I want to thank you for joining us for our online services. We believe, whether online, in person, or through missionaries around the world, that we are called to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. And we know that it is hard sometimes to check out a church for the first time, whether in person or online. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can learn more at 10milebaptistchurch.org or any one of our many social media outlets. We are so glad that you are here, and we hope that you enjoy today's sermon. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, and you will, please open them with me to the 24th Psalm. Psalm 24. And as you're finding that, I have a card I would like to read to you this morning. Your thoughtfulness really means a lot. Thank you for all of your kindness, food, <clears throat> during our time of loss. I am so grateful for friends and family. And that is from Brenda Lankford at the passing of her husband, Alan. And so as always, I want to thank you for uh, you loving people and being there in their challenges. Um, last week, we started a series titled, Yes, Lord. Not that the Lord is always giving us yes, but that it's time for us to say yes to him. And we looked last week on worry, how as a Christian we are to worry less. Not that we will always be worryless, but that as Christians we are to be trusting God more. And as we look at the new year in our church and in your family, what are these building blocks that I believe are so important for us to focus on? And that was first and foremost, worry less. If you're taking notes today, the second part of this series is worship him. So we have to worry less and we have to make sure that we're worshiping the right person. You see, I think all of us are guilty from time to time of putting our faith and trust in things that are not the Lord. We put our faith and trust in our job that it will provide our financial needs. We put our faith and trust in the government that it will do what it's supposed to do. We put our faith and trust in other people, and those people let us down. We put our faith in the church, and the church lets us down. And so I really do believe that there is coming a great persecution on the church in America. I believe there are a group of people in this country that hate the things of God. They hate the church of God. They hate the word of God. And they are going to do whatever they can to hinder the work of God. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe the Bible teaches that, that things are going to get worse and worse and worse until the Lord comes back. And so today I want you to know that who you worship makes all the difference. You and I are fastly approaching the days when if we really don't worship Him, all of our hope is going to be pulled out from under us. And so today I really want you to take some time as a Christian and to evaluate your life, evaluate what is going on in your heart and soul and mind. And today when you leave here, can you honestly say, yes, I'm worshiping God. No matter what anyone else does to me, I am worshiping Him. Doesn't matter what the government does, doesn't matter what the church does, doesn't matter what my family does, I know whom I have believed in. I know 
that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life, that I'm going to go to be with Him, and that if everything else around me falls apart, He is who I am trusting in. And so this morning, if you would, out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, we're going to read Psalm 24, verses 1 through 10. The earth is the Lord's, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessings from the Lord and the righteousness from the, from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, Salah. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the kings of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is in the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Pray with me today. Father, today I come to you, Lord, a sinful man. um, Lord, and the only thing good in me is you. Father, I pray today that as we are so drawn to the things of this world, Lord, that today you would help us to repent, rededicate, refocus in on you. Father, for those that are listening online today or in this place, Lord, as they listen to this sermon and the conviction of your word and the conviction of your spirit sets in, Lord, if they realize today that they're not worshiping and trusting you, that today would be the day they would repent of their sins and call upon you. Father, today I pray that you would shut my mouth from the things that you do not want me to say and open it to the ones that do. And Lord, I fully acknowledge that if anything good comes from today, it will be because of you and not me. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I think most of us as Christians, when we wear worship, our our eyes just kind of glaze over. It is something that all of us think we have figured out. Now, I know you won't admit to that, but right? You've been coming to church for decades. You understand what it's like. You, You have been maybe reading your Bible at home for years, and so you know what it's like. You have your mindset of what worship should be and shouldn't be. What should go on and shouldn't go on. But today I really want to get deeper than what it looks like on the outside. What it looks like to come into this place. What it looks like for you to talk about church. But what's really in your heart today. Because truly, most people do not go into their closet, find the oldest pair of sweatpants, the oldest holy t-shirt, the worst pair of shoes they own, and a hat that looks like it was given away at a McLeansboro Fall Festival parade in the 70s and come to church. That's not how most of you come to church, right? Most of us, we probably put on our best pair of jeans or or a good pair of of slacks or something, and, and we comb our hair for the first time all week. And I literally didn't shave this morning because for the, uh, for the point of it, you know, one Sunday morning, uh, 
Every week, there's only one Sunday morning every week, but one morning every week, I shave my neck and I shave this area right here and, and I try to look a little bit better than usual. I put my hair powder in so that when I turn around, it doesn't shine so bad right here, you know. Uh, I try to look a little bit better. And, and, and many of you do that very same thing. But I, I want you to know today that worship is about the heart. Worship about who, is about who God is in you. And so this morning, you and I can clean up on the outside. We can know the right words. We can say the right things. We can vote the right way and still not worship God, not know him. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, I want to show you four things this morning from worshiping God. Worship is an attitude and an act. It is an attitude and an act. And so not an act as in a play, but as in an action. And so the first thing this morning I want to show you is who we worship matters. Who we worship matters. Look at verses 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. It's saying the God of creation, the God of Genesis, he is the Lord. There is no other. There is no one else you can worship. And so literally, you and I have to come to this agreement. Do I believe the word of God? Do I believe that the God of the Bible is truly God? That means you cannot say, well, I believe that the God of the Bible is good for me. But yet if someone in the Middle East wants to worship Muhammad, that's fine. Or if someone in China wants to worship uh, Confucius, or if someone in, in India wants to worship Buddha, you know, as long as they worship someone, then it's really okay. The psalmist says, no, you have to know that the Lord owns everything. The God of Scripture is the only God. He is the only one that is in control of everything. That means you shouldn't worship me. You shouldn't worship your spouse. You shouldn't worship uh, celebrities. You shouldn't worship uh, your employer. You need to worship the Lord. Today I want to ask you that question. Do you really believe that God is who He says He is? Can you really trust that when God said that He made everything in six Literal days that you can believe that. You say, do I really believe that even though everybody that's supposed to be smart tells me something and the Bible tells me something different, I can believe the Bible. Do you really believe that even though the world tells you all of these things, that when God says something, I can trust that it really is that way? You see, you have to not only recognize that the God of the Bible, but you have to recognize that the God of the Bible is who he says that he is. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says these words, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity. Some churches will teach that there is no Trinity. Christian churches. Churches in this very area of southern Illinois will say, well, the, the Father is not, the Son is not, the Spirit is not, it's all Jesus. But yet you have to know today that you believe in the God and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. You cannot remove any of them, one of them, because why? God is one, three in one. And so this morning, I want you to know, do you really believe that you have a heavenly Father who loves you? 
Do you really believe that His Son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for you? And do you, do you really believe that the Holy Spirit of God convicted you and lives within you? You see, if you don't believe those things, you cannot worship the one true God. And this morning I say this to you in the building or online. It doesn't matter how you were raised, what your grandma thought, what your grandpa thought, what your aunt or uncle thought. If you don't believe the God of Scripture, you are not worshiping God. You are not worshiping God. And so the gospel truly is the hope that we have as worshiping Christians. It's the hope we have as a church. It's the hope we have as a family. 1 Corinthians 15 describes it like this in verses 3 and 4. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So you and I must believe that the gospel is the truth about God. That means that you cannot believe that you are good enough. That means you cannot believe that you can be baptized into it. That doesn't mean you, you cannot believe that there's a way to, to work your way to it. It is the gospel, it is the God of the Bible, or it is nothing at all. You say, Jake, I cannot believe you would be that narrow-minded that close-minded, that specific in a day and age when everyone is right. Everyone is entitled to their feelings. Everyone is entitled to their beliefs. I want you to hear me say this as plain and as clear as I can today. If you do not love the Lord Jesus Christ of the Scriptures, you are on your way to hell. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Not a Jesus Christ that was consumed or was uh, uh, consummated in a physical relationship with God. And so the many cults in America today that are sprawling up, that vote the same way do, we do, that, that live the same way that we do, that talk the same that we, way we do, if you don't love the God of Scripture, you cannot be born again. And so this morning I want to challenge you to really ask who are you worshiping? You say, well, Jake, I, I come to church because it's what I'm supposed to do. I've always come to church here. This is, that's not worshiping God. That's worshiping a building. If you say, Jake, well, I come to church here because of you, and, and, uh, and that's why I come here. Well, then you're worshiping me. Well, I come to church here because my parents come to church. That means you're worshiping them. You see, you have to worship God for yourself. You have to know your relationship with God is real. You have to know that God has saved you from your sin. You have to be able to stand up and say, I know that I was lost. I know that I was in searching of something that I could not find on myself. And God convicted me of my sin. God saved me from my sin. God truly is the Lord and Savior of my life. If you cannot say that today, or if you know that that was the case at one point in your life, but yet you're not loving Him and following Him today, then you're not worshiping Him. Second thing I want to challenge our church and you this year is not only who we worship matters, how we worship matters. How we worship matters. Look what it says in verses 3 and 4. Who makes sin into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has 
clean hands and a pure heart. You see, it says clearly here that if you are going to have a clean heart, that is not something you can do on your own. You cannot clean your own heart. The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. The Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. And so this morning, if you are in this building or watching online and you feel that you have done God a favor, you are mistaken. You and I are in need of Him. Psalms 51.10 says it like this, Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This morning, if you have never called upon the name of the Lord, if you have never put your trust and faith in Him, your heart is still wicked. Your heart is still guilty. Your heart is still as evil and as corrupt as it has ever been. But God can change all of that. You see, what happens is we try to make people better, to live more right, to do more good things. When truly, if God doesn't clean and give you a new heart, friends, you have just made people more comfortable on their way to hell. We have made people live better on their way to hell. And so he says here, who can stand in the presence of God? Who can be a part of God's holy hill? And he says, you have to have a pure heart. But it also says, you have to have clean hands. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. What that means is this idea here of clean hands is, um, every day when you get up, uh, you cook breakfast. How many of you like pancake and syrup? That's all right. Not all of you, but some of you. How many like waffle and syrup? How many of you like syrup on anything? Okay, that's fine. I agree with you. No, no judgment here. I love syrup, but I don't care how careful I am. Doesn't matter how careful I am, it gets sticky and it gets on me, right? And usually I'll think I've done really good today. I'm going to go to work, you know. I'll get about halfway to work. My hand will be on the steering wheel. And I'll go to take my hand off the steering wheel. And it's like, what happened? It's stuck. Right? We have to wash our hands. Right? If you go to work every day and you don't wear gloves. And you, you, you try to accomplish things. You look down and your hands will be dirty and filthy. And, and you've not done anything wrong necessarily. You've just done the work. And this idea is that your heart has to be clean. That's something that God does. But you also have to be repenting regularly. Coming back to God saying, Lord, you can't save me again. But Lord, you need to forgive me again. And Lord, you need to forgive me every day. You see, Christian, if you want to really be worshiping God, you have to make sure that your heart has been saved, been cleaned. But you also have to recognize that every day I have to ask God, Lord, forgive me for this sin. Lord, forgive me of what I shouldn't have said. Lord, forgive me for that thought that I shouldn't have had. Lord, you must continue to clean me and my hands. Isaiah chapter 1 says it like this. One of the most serious verses I think about how our daily sin hinders our walk with God. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Don't miss that. He will hide his eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not 
here. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings before my eyes. Cease to do evil. He says, friends, you can come into this building Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You can strut in here with your best clothes on, your best smile. You can sing. You can pray. But if you will not repent of your sin, God says, I'm not listening to that. I'm not listening to that nonsense. Because why? God knows the heart. Have you ever caught your children in a lie? My kids love to tattle on each other. I mean, they love it. They live for it. And some of them even, if I say, I'm going to spank you, which you can turn me in, I don't care. Uh, the other one will be like, and I'll be like, I'm going to spank her and you for that. But friends, God says, he knows it. And so Jacob Gray has to ask for forgiveness every day. When I come into this place to worship God on a Sunday morning, as I've been asking you to do the last two weeks, to take a moment and think, reflect, let God deal with you. Because, friends, we can ask God to heal our nation. We can ask God to save our families. We can ask God to show up and change in our lives. But he says, if you're going to strut in here with sin in your life, he'll have no part of it. No part of it. He says what? That we must clean ourselves. That doesn't mean that we can wash our sin away. It means that we have to come and ask. It means that I have to ask God to forgive me. Well, Jake, you don't understand. That person that cut me off on the way to church today, those things that I screamed and yelled at them in my fit of anger, that was not my fault. Everyone does that. No, God says you better get clean. Jake, you know, everybody watches movies with stuff in it that shouldn't be in there. Everybody does that. Everybody has, has compromised what they watch on television because there's nothing worth watching on television. God says, no, you better just flee it and repent. And whatever sin this morning, I've got my sins, you've got yours. You cannot come to worship God in your private time, in your family devotion time, or in this time, and God bless it if you won't first repent. I think that sometimes we ought to have the altar call at the first we ought to have a time of invitation at the very beginning. Why? Because honestly, all of us ought to come into church and the first thing we ought to ask God to do is, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for what I thought. Forgive me for what I said. Lord, forgive me for the, the feelings and emotions that I had that shouldn't have been there. Lord, help me to worship you. You see, the Bible says that. And it says right there that God says, you've got to stop doing the things you're asking for forgiveness for. You see, I'm not really very repentant about gluttony. Let's just be honest, right? I just keep eating the same thing I've always ate. Every day. This morning I had bacon. I had eggs. I had toast. It was delicious. And as I was eating that, I thought, boy, I probably should have ate something different. Yesterday when I ate almost a whole pizza by myself, almost a whole pizza, almost, I want to make that clear, I was thinking, probably shouldn't eat this whole pizza. Especially since I just ate McDonald's before I went home. Probably shouldn't have ate that triple cheeseburger and that McChicken and then the whole pizza. Probably shouldn't have done it in those orders. But I didn't really mean it, did I? Because guess what I'm going to do today after church and after the prayer meeting? I'm going to find me a buffet if it's open and I'm going to eat it. 
And friends, what God says is, if you're not going to really repent and turn from your sins, you better quit asking me to forgive you for it. You better quit strutting in here thinking that I'm not going to notice, that I'm not going to care. Because what he says is, it's not worked that way. You see, so how you worship God, whether it's in new music or old music, whether it's in a big church, a little church, whether it's in the woods, whether it's in your car, all of those things are fine, but you need to make sure that you're right with God. Third thing this morning is why worship matters for us. Why does worship matter for us? Look what it says in verses 5 and 6. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your faith. Worshiping God, God blesses. Now, he might not bless financially. You say, if I come to church every Sunday, God's got to give me a new Lexus. No, he doesn't. But I can tell you something. If you'll worship God in spirit and truth, he will give you things that money cannot buy. He will give you peace that does not, the world does not understand. Worship, God can give you joy unspeakable. God can give you hope in the middle of hopeless situations. God promises that if you'll worship him, he'll bless you. He will bless you for worshiping him. This is just one example in the book of Exodus, and I don't necessarily believe it is, is, is continually... Um, uh, applicable to everything, but listen to what he told the children of Israel in, in Exodus 23, verse 5. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. God told the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel, I'm not saying all of us, that if they would live godly and follow him, he would take sickness from them. Now we know that God is going to take sickness from us as Christians. It's called a place called heaven but he told them that would be one of the blessings he goes on and talks about uh, uh, um, um, the, the opening the womb and all of those things and so uh, it's this idea that God blesses in different ways but he is going to bless those who worship him he will bring friendship into your life when you make worship a priority at church he will strengthen your marriage if you'll make family devotions worship a priority he will strengthen your children's faith if you will worship with them at home. You see, God will do different things in different ways, but worship is never worthless. That was extremely good if you're not taking notes. Or if you are taking notes, excuse me. Worship is never worthless. You say, Jake, that wasn't one of your best sermons. I promise you that if you came expecting a blessing, God could have blessed you through the song service. Or if you say, Jake, my Sunday school teacher just, just kind of pew today. I'm telling you, if you come with the right spirit and right heart, God will bless you in the lobby by encouraging someone else. Worship is never worthless or wasted. Worship is never worthless or wasted. Per, your personal time, your private time, reading your Bible in the morning, it's never worthless or wasted. You might not get as much out of it some days as you do others, but that's not on God's end. That's on our end. And so today I want to challenge you that worship matters. And fourth and finally, and I'll be done, we are invited to worship Him. We're invited to worship Him. I don't know if you've ever not been invited to something that you wanted to be invited to, 
right? When I was a kid, you know, in school, everybody wanted to go to every birthday party, and if you didn't get invited, you were just devastated, right? Then you become an adult, and you're like, please don't invite me to anything, right? It's like COVID has been great. It's like nobody can do anything, so it's like people there, I'm over here. But God says you're invited. You see, when you're invited, you're what? Wanted. I don't invite people to my house that I don't want there. Now, sometimes people show up that you don't invite, but that's another story. But if you invite someone into your home, you want something. Or you care about them. And what God says, you're invited to worship me. You're invited to worship me. Listen to what it says in verses 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, O you gates. So it's this idea of a conquering king coming to a city. And the city can either shut the gates and say, we don't want you to come. Or they can throw open the gates and the king can march in. Think about Jesus coming into Jerusalem on that donkey. And all of the celebration, all of the worship, all of that was going on. They were welcoming him in, inviting him in. And be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. You see, God is just telling us that if you want him, you can have him. If you want a relationship with God, you can have it. If you're a Christian today and you're saying, Jake, my relationship with God is non-existent. Now, no one ever tells you that, but today you know it's true. You say, Jake, I don't read my Bible. I don't pray. I don't even really want to come to church. I, I really don't have any relationship for God other than the fact that I want to go to heaven. And if you've never felt that way, one, you're a super Christian, or two, you're a liar. Because everybody gets busy in their life. It's busy with things. Things come up. Things happen. But what God says is, I want you to worship me. James 4 verse 8 says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. It says draw near to who? To God. He wants you to draw near to him. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to work in this church. He wants to work in your family. He wants to work in our nation. The question is, will we respond to him? You see, I believe there is one reason that God has not opened up the windows of heaven and poured out judgment on this country like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. And I believe you can find the principle in the story of Abraham. There are still some people I didn't say church people. I didn't say denominations. There are still people in this country who are praying and worshiping God, seeking God's face. And I really believe that God is sparing this country for that. It's not because of the White House, the State House, the, the Capitol, none of those things. It is because God's people are still praying. God's people are still obedient. God's people are still seeking his face. But Revelation chapter 22 verse 17 says it like this. And you read the ending of the Bible and the Spirit of God and 
and the messenger is there, and it says these words in verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And what they're talking about there is Jesus coming back again. The church should be ready for Jesus to come back again. The Spirit of God is ready for Jesus to come back again. Why? We're longing for that because why? When Jesus comes back again, we will leave this world flying, not dying. When Jesus comes to destroy his enemies, but listen to what it goes on and says. And let him who hears say come. And let him who thirst come. The church cannot thirst in the sense that it's talking about here. Why? Because I have already been given the water of life. I've already been given the bread of life. I am a born-again believer of Jesus Christ. It goes on and says, And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And I want to read this statement to you. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. These are best understood as uttered by the writer. The Holy Spirit working in the church, through the church, into God's people is the bride. They want the rapture to happen. And it goes on and says, And let him that heareth say, Come. And the, partic the participle that is used here is voluntary in its nature. Though the living water be freely given is what it really means. Without money and without price, it is freely given to whoever voluntarily accepts it. You see, God doesn't just want his people to worship him. He wants those that don't know him to come to him. And to come to him. He says, and all who thirst, whoever, freely come and drink. And so this morning, I want to challenge you, Christian. The only person that is hindering your relationship with God is you. You say, no, it isn't, Jake. My wife's hindering my relationship with God because she won't come. She, she won't pray. She won't believe. She, she won't have faith. Worship God without her. You say, Jake, my parents won't come to church. What am I supposed to do? How can I worship God? You just keep worshiping God even if they won't come. You say, Jake, I, why, why don't more people come and pray? And why don't more people come and worship? Don't you worry about that. You just keep praying and keep worshiping. You look out over this country and you say, Jake, I don't understand all that's going on, all these uh, supposed Christians and supposed Christian leaders, and, and they're all just abandoning everything they, they believe and stand for. Don't you worry about them. You just keep believing what you believe and what you stand upon, and that's the Word of God. But today, don't you ever blame everyone else if you and I are not willing to worship God. And second of all, today, if you're here and you're saying, Jake, I've never had a love for God like this. I've never had a desire to worship him and to honor him and to please him. I just want what I want. But I want to go to heaven. Now, probably this morning, you're not going to acknowledge that. That you want to live your life however you want and still go to heaven. But I really do believe there are many people that feel that way. My life is mine. I'll do what I want, say what I want, go where I want, think what I want. When I die, I'm going to heaven. Friends, that's not how it works. You see, when the Spirit of God changes you, saves you, forgives you, your desires become His desires. The things that He loves, you begin to love. Now, they don't happen overnight. Sanctification is a lifelong process. 
Because I can promise you there are some days I don't want to forgive my enemies like Jesus says. I'd like to sit on the edge of the highway and throw rocks at them. That's exactly what I'd like to do. There are days when I drive by and see people's signs in their yard that they voted for someone different than me. There's days I want to pull over and get out and steal their sign. Now, I know you'd never admit to that, but I'm just telling you the truth. The Spirit of God gets in my heart and says, Jake, you need to pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. You see, I'm telling you this morning that you can fool everyone else. I could fool you, you could fool me. But God knows your heart. And today, if you're not 100% sure that you're born again, a child of God, God wants you to hear these words. Come. I know who you are, but I died for you anyway. And second, Christian, if you've drifted from him, or you have willfully allowed things to come in your life that are in front of him, he says, come. You come, and he'll make it right. Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I pray today that it's been your word, not mine. Lord, you know my frustrations, you know my sins. You know every fault and failure that I have, God, and they are many. And so I ask for your forgiveness. But I do pray that today, Lord, that this would be a church that loves you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, we're not always going to agree on politics. We're not always going to agree on everything that your word says. But, Lord, what we cannot disagree on is who you are and that we love you. And so, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only he can do Convict us, draw us, bring us to you. Father, I pray that you would reveal the hidden things in hearts today, that you would encourage those who have been discouraged. Lord, that you would just give us what we need, not what we want. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We just would like to thank you for watching today's sermon, and we pray that it has been a blessing and an encouragement in your walk with Jesus Christ. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life, or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.